This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we have a visit with The Whistler. Each episode of The Whistler began with the sound of footsteps and a person whistling. The Saint radio series with Vincent Price used a similar opening. And the haunting signature theme, it was composed by Wilbur Hatch and featured Dorothy Roberts whistling with an orchestra. A character known only as The Whistler was the host and narrator of the tales, which focused on crime and fate. He often commented directly on the action, taunting the characters, guilty or innocent. The stories followed a formula in which a person's criminal acts were typically undone, either by an overlooked but important detail or by the criminal's own stupidity. Bill Foreman had the title role of The Whistler for the longest period of time. Others who portrayed The Whistler at various times, Gil Gordon, whom you might remember as Principal Osgood Conklin on the Our Miss Brooks radio show, and Marvin Miller, announcer for The Whistler and The Bickersons, and later an actor who portrayed Michael Anthony on TV's The Millionaire. And now for tonight's episode, Law of Physics. And now, stay tuned for the mystery program that is unique among all mystery programs. Because even when you know who is guilty, you always receive a startling surprise at the final curtain. In the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. Signal. Famous Go Farther Gasoline invites you to sit back and enjoy another strange story by The Whistler. I am The Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. And now for the Signal Oil Company, the Whistler's strange story. A Law of Physics. The narrow, twisting road that hugged the canyon wall was precarious at best. But at the height of a driving rainstorm, it became a treacherous, uncharted course. And Ross Warren's car was literally out of control as he tried to steer it safely down the canyon. The headlights were of little help as the rain washed across the windshield in great sheets that obscured his vision. The older man seated next to Ross, his hands braced against the panel, peering tensely through its windshield, was Dexter Brand 
important client of the Ross Warren Advertising Agency. Suddenly, in between the waves of rain, Ross could see the road ahead of him quite clearly for just an instant, a split second. The car was headed for the far side of the road and a sheer drop of several hundred feet. With one tremendous effort, Ross turned sharply, applied the wet brakes, and careened headlong toward the mountain. Come on, Ross! Look out! Look out! Uh, are you all right, Mr. Brent? Yes. Yes, I'm all right. Thank goodness. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I, I don't know what happened to this car. I, I couldn't see. Never seen such a storm. Now, what do we do? I I don't think we have much choice, Mr. Brand. You know, there aren't many cars on this road, even in good weather. Come on, I guess we'll have to walk. At least as far as the Edgeley place. Of course, that's a good mile down the canyon from here, but they've got a phone. All right. Well, I'll be... What is it, Mr. Brand? Another car coming around the curve ahead of us. You there! Give us a hand, will you? Well, looks like you need it. Anybody hurt? No. No, not hurt. Can you take us back to town? Sure, pile in. I'll get the bags. Need any help with them? No, no. I've got them okay. I'll just put them in the back seat here. I don't know who you are, young man, but you're a friend of mine. My name's Brand, Dexter Brand. I'm glad to know you, Mr. Brand. I'm Bob Turner. Oh, uh, and this is Ross Warren, Mr. Turner. Ah, How do you do? You. I think if you'll drive ahead for about a quarter of a mile, you'll find a place wide enough to turn around in, Mr. Turner. Okay, thanks. Yeah, but what about your car? We'd better call the garage, hadn't we? It's <laughs> a good idea, but uh, hadn't we better wait till we get to a phone? We don't have to, Mr. Warren. I've got a phone here in the car. You have? Well, I've heard of them. Oh, it's a wonderful gadget, believe me. I wouldn't be without one. They've just installed service in this area. Uh, What's the name of your garage in town? Um, Hoffman's. Phone number's uh, Lawton 3264. Well, this store might give us some trouble on the call, but it's worth a try. Only trick is this button. You push it down to talk, release it to listen. Mm -hmm. This is your mobile operator. This is WJ65383. I want Lawton 3264. One moment, please. Hoffman's Garage. This is Lawton 3264. Yes, it is. I have a call for you. One moment, please. Go ahead, please. Here, Mr. Warren. The garage is on the line. Oh, thanks. Hello. This is Ross Warren. Oh, yes. This is Tom, Mr. Warren. What's the trouble? Wrecked my car on Willow Canyon Road, Tom. I'm okay, but the car's in bad shape. How far up the canyon? About, uh, about 15 miles from town. Mile or so above the Edgeley place. You'd better send a tow car and get this wreck off the road before someone piles into it. Right away, Mr. Warren. You'll be riding in with us? No. No, I've got a ride, Tom. Uh, do the best you can, huh? And let me know when you get through looking her over. You bet, Mr. Warren. Goodbye, Tom. And thanks.
The car phone made a deep impression on Dexter Brand, your biggest client, didn't it, Ross? And you're certain that Bob Turner, owner of the car, made an even deeper one. And his dramatic appearance on the seldom-traveled road from Dexter Brand's cabin into town seems more than a mere coincidence, doesn't it? The next morning, as you reach your office, you find that it is. Warren, where have you been? I'm frantic. No, no, Edna, it couldn't be as bad as all that. Well, couldn't it? Oh, morning, I've been crazy looking for you. <laughs> Look, beautiful, suppose you calm down and... Calm down? What, what... How can I? He's dead, I tell you. He's dead. All right, Edna, he's dead. Now, who's dead? Mr. Average American. That's who's dead. Wayne Parks? The man we're featuring in this month's ad? Yes, a stroke. And Graphic Magazine is holding their presses and howling for another layout right away because... Well, how can we salute Mr. Average American when he's dead? And what are we going to do? Well, uh, rush them next month's layout, of course. There isn't any, Mr. Warren. That was the last of the series, don't you remember? Next month, it's all different. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten. <laughs> we are in a hole, aren't we? Oh, Mr. Warren, if I may... Please, uh... you'll have to wait. Mr. Warren is very busy now. An emergency has come up. I know. You left the door open, and I couldn't help overhearing. Uh, Mr. Warren, I'm familiar with your campaign, and I believe there's a simple way to save that ad. Mr. Turner again, huh? You seem to have a knack of turning up at just the right minute. You've got an idea. Yes. Why not change the caption, We Salute, to We Mourn, Mr. Average American? All the rest of it can remain pretty much as it is. Hey. hey maybe you've got something there. Edna, did you hear? Oh, I think that's wonderful. I'm so relieved. All morning, the magazine calling and me not knowing where you were. I don't know what you came to see me about, Mr. Turner, but the way I feel right now, you can ask anything. Oh, just make it, Bob. I'm with Blaine and Blaine, Mr. Warren. The big Hollywood advertising agency? No wonder you had the know-how on that ad. <laughs> okay, Bob, what can I do for you? And you can make it Ross. Okay. Well, let me tell you a story. On my last vacation, someone looted my car, took everything, including my fishing tackle. Mm -hmm. So passing through Lake Town here on my way to the lake, I bought some new gear made by a manufacturer here in town. The man you met last night, Mr. Brand. I handle his advertising. I know. Well, his gear's wonderful. But later, when I tried to get more of it in some of the eastern cities, why, nobody had ever heard of Brand fishing equipment. He only sells in the western states. That's what I don't get. How come? Why, if he advertised more... Is that what you're here for? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to chisel your account. Just the opposite. You see, I'm fed up with my job, and I've got a little money put by, and I thought of starting my own agency, maybe in some place like Lake Town here. Oh? Competition, huh? Not if you don't want it. This is a manufacturing town. I figure there must be lots of local men who could triple their business if they went in for wider advertising. Now, you've got a nice setup here. If I can sell some of them on the idea... Could you and I maybe talk uh, partnership? Partnership? Say on any new accounts I bring in, and any hikes on old ones. You know, Turner, I think maybe I'll give it a try. Swell. On one condition. You either sell Mr. Brand on national advertising, or you find yourself another town. Fair enough. Uh, by the way, Mr. Brand and his daughter are having dinner with me tonight. Why, why don't you join us? Hey, that's great. That'll give you a chance to sound out, Mr. Brand. Uh, but uh, no passes at Kitty Brand... She's beautiful, and she's mine. Engaged, huh? Well, we haven't announced it, so uh, mum's the word, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be good. You thought you did that rather well, didn't you, Ross? Well, you know that in Dexter Brand, Bob Turner will come up against a stone wall. 
And you have Bob's word that if he fails, he'll leave town. Yes, Ross, he'll leave, never knowing you lied about being engaged to Kitty. You couldn't know, could you, that by inviting him to dinner with the brands, you were inviting disaster. <laughs> I'll tell you why I'm being so hard-headed. You see, I hate manufacturing. Got into it in spite of myself. I couldn't get the kind of fishing rod I wanted, so I went ahead and made one. And so it. I had to make another, then another and another. First thing I know, I'm manufacturing all kinds of fishing tackle. That's why I hate it. Doesn't leave me enough time to fish. If I were to expand, it would uh, leave me even less. And I love fishing. <laughs> I don't believe it. I beg your pardon? I said, sir, that I don't think you give a hoot about fishing. Look here, young man. Are you trying to tell me that... I'm afraid I you read the wrong line that time. Yes, Bob. young man. I wish you'd explain that remark. Well, you said yourself, sir, that you made rods for your friends. And why? Because you wanted them to have the best so they could enjoy their fishing as you enjoyed yours. Of course, which proves just... Well, think of the thousands of Isaac Waltons whose vacations will be spoiled for lack of brand equipment. Why, every time a good one gets away from a faulty hook or snaps an inferior rod, you, Mr. Brand, are directly responsible. (laughs) (laughs) By Joe, that's the best argument I've heard yet. Ross, you ought to take this, uh, uh, this conniver on as a partner. You really think so, sir? He will, sir, if you'll expand your coverage. Oh, so it's a plot. Well, Ross, it looks like I'm stuck with more advertising and you're stuck with a partner. And if I were you, I'd look out. He's likely to take over your whole business. In that case, I'm afraid I'd have to find a way to dissolve the partnership. A lot of things have changed since Bob Turner came into your life six months ago in that storm on the Willow Canyon Road. He's become a full-fledged partner in your advertising agency after selling Dexter Brand on the idea of a national campaign. And other accounts have followed Brand's lead until your business has nearly tripled. Bob sold you, too, hasn't he, Ross? True, you work harder and longer than you ever have. But you've acquired a great many things you've wanted. A healthy bank account. A big new car with all the extras. Yes, even including a car telephone. Through it all, you've had just one regret, haven't you, Ross? You haven't been able to see Kitty Brand nearly as often as you'd wanted to. But as you walk up the front steps to her home to keep your first date in weeks, you're certain that tonight will make up for all the nights you've been away from. Kitty. Hi. You the official greeter here now? Oh, only when it's the maid's night out or dad's packing. Come in, Ross. Your father taking a trip? Oh, just up to the lake. He and Bob have a theory about some special tackle or something. You couldn't prove it by me. But anyway, they're going to try it out. Come on in the library. I've mixed some cocktails. Bob's going too, huh? It's funny he didn't mention it. Oh, I think he's just driving dad up tonight. Probably spend tomorrow fishing. Oh, I see. Here we are. Sit down, Ross. Mm-hmm. Oh, you look wonderful, Kitty. Mm-hmm. You mind if I drink to that? Well, let's make it that we both look wonderful. So we can both drink. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. Mm. To us. 
Because we're beautiful. <laughs> oh, I've missed you, Kitty. So much. Well, that's nice, Ross. No, it isn't nice. I don't like missing you. I don't ever want to miss you again. Oh, my. So serious. I am serious, Kitty. I don't think I realized how serious I was until I saw you again a few minutes ago. Oh, Kitty, darling, I love you. Ross, I... My goodness, just one swallow from a martini. I want you to marry me, Kitty. I, I've wanted you to for a long time. But now I'm in a position Ross, to... please, don't. Don't say these things, not now. This is the first time I've been able to say them. You've known all along, you must have. I, I, I thought I knew, Ross, but... Why did you wait so long? I had to, darling. I wanted money. Lots of money. It wouldn't have mattered before, Ross. Don't you see? It would have been all right. But now I... Now it's it's all different. Well, Kitty, what's so different? I just got more money now. I haven't changed. But I have. I, I didn't want to, Ross. Really, I didn't. But I changed in spite of myself, I guess. I'm in love, Ross. Really in love. For the first time. Kitty. But who... With a man who doesn't even know it. He's never said anything or done anything. Oh, Ross, I don't want to hurt you. But it it's Bob. Bob. Bob Turner. Why then? I, I've told you, he, he's done absolutely nothing about it. I'm sure he hasn't any idea how I feel. But well, since I do feel that way, Ross, I... Well, there's, there's not much I can do about it, is there? No. No, Kitty. I guess there isn't. Kitty and Bob. It's quite a shock, isn't it, Ross? Not at all the way you planned. You realize you'll have to do something about Bob. Because you're determined that no one can have Kitty but you. You're still searching for a solution shortly before midnight as you enter your apartment to find the phone ringing. Hello. Ross, this is Bob. Didn't wake you, did I? No. Just got in. Where are you calling from? I'm up at Mr. Brand's cabin. Going to spend the night here. Do some fishing tomorrow, but I'm driving back to town tomorrow night. Oh, I see. I, uh, I'd like to see you tomorrow night if you can make it, Ross. I, I've got some things to talk over with you. Okay, Bob. But uh, if you're off on a little fishing junket, forget about business. Oh, I, I don't want to see you about business, Ross. It's, well, I just want to talk with you a while. I'd prefer to do it in person. Uh, fine, fine. Suppose we uh, meet at your apartment whenever you say. Oh, good. I'll leave here at 7.30. That should get me back to town about uh, 9. How does that sound? 9 it is. Tomorrow night. I'll see you then. Good night. Goodbye, Bob. Your solution came suddenly, didn't it, Ross? And Bob gave it to you himself. A little after eight the next evening, you park your car in the heavy woods at the foot of a well-known slide area on Willow Canyon Road. In a matter of minutes, you roll several boulders into the middle of the road. And then as you hear a car approaching, you rush back to your own car, completely hidden from sight. You peer through the thick trees, see Bob's car approaching. He suddenly swings to miss the boulders balances precariously on the drop side of the road. And then the car miraculously rights itself, hugs the road again, and moves past the boulders to a safe stop. You failed, didn't you, Ross? 
You watch Bob get out of his car, push the boulders to the side of the road, return to his car, and start for town. As you pull your car onto the road and drive slowly down the canyon toward town, you realize you must get rid of Bob Turner. Once he's out of the way, you'll control all the new business he's brought in and have a clear field with Kitty. Then it hits you, an even better plan. Then you're certain you'll not fail again. There's an automatic in your glove compartment and an alibi in your car telephone. You stop the car and place a call to Hoffman's Garage in Lake Town. Hoffman's Garage, Tom speaking. This is Ross Warren, Tom. Afraid I need your tow car again. Uh-oh. Don't tell me you're stranded on Willow Canyon Road again. Well, uh, not this time, Tom. I'm I'm about 20 miles out on the Marilton Road. The uh, car went out of control uh, just by those bluffs. You know the spot? Sure. Now, look, Mr. Warren, we'll be there, but it may take an hour or so. The truck's out now, and there's another call ahead of you. Well, that's okay, Tom. There's no hurry. I'll wait right here in the car for you. It's a break, isn't it, Ross? An hour will give you ample time to get to town, take care of Bob Turner, and drive out to the bluffs on the Merrillton Road. You'll wreck your car there and make certain of a perfect alibi in the bargain. You're punctual. You're a little ahead of time. I just got here. I know. Uh, sit down. Man, I I need a drink. Darn near turned the car over coming down here. Boulders in the road along that slide area. I know that, too. You do? But how? I just... Bob, this personal matter you want to discuss with me, it's Kitty, isn't it? Well, yes, Ross, it is. I, I thought we could talk it out, you and I. You're in love with her. Want to marry her? Well, yes, but... Is she in love with you? I don't know. Uh, look, Ross, this isn't the way I'd planned it. Sit down, won't you, and we'll... But this is the way I planned it. No, I won't sit down. My aim's straighter if I stand. Why, oh, Ross, are you crazy? Put that gun away. Don't! Okay, Bob. I don't mind putting the gun away. Now... He's dead, isn't he, Ross? As you turn to leave, you pull the drapes aside slightly to look out. And walking toward the apartment just a few houses down, you recognize a familiar figure passing under the streetlight. It's Kitty Brand. You sigh with relief that you saw her before she could see you. Then you turn quickly, race for the back of the apartment, let yourself out the back entrance, and rush out into the night towards your car parked on the side of the street. Once there, you check your time. You have half an hour, Ross. Ample time to drive to the bluffs on the Merrillton Road before the tow car from the Hoffman Garage is due to arrive. And you make it with five minutes to spare. Now, to make this alibi... Hold on! That ought to do it.
boss. You're pleased with the way things worked out, aren't you? You bashed in the front of your car right by the bluffs, just as you'd planned. And before the tow car arrived from town, you had time to bury the automatic that killed Bob Turner. You're confident now, aren't you, Ross? Certain that it's just a matter of time until Kitty Brand gets over the shock of Bob's death and agrees to marry you. The next day, you're properly shocked and bereaved as Lieutenant Norris calls for you in his police car. And the two of you discuss the crime as you ride along. You become so engrossed in the discussion, you're unaware that he's driven you far out from town on the Merrillton Road. Well, naturally, I'm anxious to help all I can, Lieutenant. Bob Turner was... Well, like a brother to me. I'm going to take you up on that help angle, Mr. Warren. Tom Hoffman's already pointed out the spot on the Merrillton Road where he picked up you and your car last night. Why do you to verify that, if you don't mind? Why, of course. Be glad to. Well, I didn't even notice. We're almost there, aren't we? That's right. Now, you see, Mr. Warren, the two stories are a little confusing. What two stories? Yours and Kitty Brand's. She was out for a walk last night, dropped by Turner's apartment and discovered his body. And she saw your car parked on the side street next to the apartment. But she couldn't have. I, I was... I know. Both you and Tom Hoffman say you were right here in a smashed car at the time. But that's true. Hey, that's my car there. Now, we took the liberty of bringing it back out here, Mr. Warren, to prove something to both of us. Come on over here for a minute. I'm afraid I don't understand, Lieutenant. You will. Now, just for the record, will you get in your car and show me how you placed that call to the garage last night? Why, of course. I just picked up the receiver, pushed this button... And the operator answered. That's funny. Something's wrong with his phone. No, Warren, there's something wrong with your story. Now, see here. Tom Hoffman picked me up right here at the same time Kitty Brand found Turner dead 20 miles away. In case you don't know it, Lieutenant, there's a law of physics that says no body can occupy two places at the same time. That's right. And there's a law of electronics that says you couldn't possibly have made the phone call to Hoffman's garage from this spot, Warren. What do you mean, I couldn't? Just that nobody can make or receive calls from here. Because this whole stretch of road is an absolute dead spot for radio. will be your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler, each Sunday night at this same time. Signal dealers are so proud of the good mileage of their famous go-farther gasoline. They have available free a mileage record book in which you can keep track of your own mileage, as well as other car purchases and information. This handy mileage record book is just one of the many thoughtful extras offered free by friendly, independently operated signal service stations to add more smiles to your miles. Featured in tonight's story were Bill Foreman, Les Tremaine, Gene Bates, Bob Bruce, Elizabeth Root, Herb Butterfield, and Charles Seal. The Whistler was produced and directed by George W. Allen, with story by George Asnes, music by Wilbur Hatch, 
and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. The Whistler is entirely fictional, and all characters portrayed on the Whistler are also fictional. Any similarity of names or resemblance to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Remember to tune in at the same time next Sunday when the Signal Oil Company will bring you another strange story by The Whistler, entitled The Man in the Trench Coat, in which a top coat belonging to another man leads the wearer to the unmasking of a blackmailer and murder. Marvin Miller speaking for The Signal Oil Company. Stay tuned now for our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for The Bob Hope Show with special guest Lucille Ball. Time now for The Bob Hope Show. Now, here's a British-American stand-up comedian, vaudeville actor, singer, dancer, athlete, and author. With a career that spanned nearly 80 years, Hope appeared in more than 70 short and feature films, with 54 feature films with Hope as the star, including a series of seven road musical comedy movies with Bing Crosby as Hope's top-billed partner. In addition to hosting the Academy Awards 19 times, more than any other host, he appeared in many stage productions and television roles and wrote 14 books. The song Thanks for the Memory was his signature tune. He was born in Etham, the district in southeast London, arrived in the United States with his family at age of four and grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Hope retired from public life in 1997. He died on July 27, 2003, at the age of 100 at his Toluca Lake home. Better break, swan soap lady. You get a better break. You get a better break. You get a better break with a cake of swan. From Hollywood, California, Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Swan, bring you the new Bob Hope Swan Show. Well, I swan. Me too. So do I. How about you? With our great singing star, Doris Day, our guest, Lucille Ball, a new singing sensation, Bill Farrell, Irene Ryan, the four hits and a miss, the new Les Brown Band, and yours truly, Hi Aberbeck. We get a better break with Swan, how about you? Yes, how about you? Who, me? I just got back from a 10,000-mile tour. We traveled so fast, I didn't even have a chance to get a haircut. Say, your hair is long. You said it. When I got off the plane, a reporter came up to me and said, when are you going to marry Ali Khan? And now, Bob Hope's Swan's Eye View of the News. Moscow, Russia. Moscow, Russia? Oh, yes. Uh, this week... <laughs> nice to have the right script in your hand. <laughs> this week, in order to increase the circulation of money and expand business, the Soviet government employed magazines, radios, and billboards in launching a vast advertising campaign in the manner of the American businessman. Yes, sir, the Russians are now advertising just like we do. Imagine a signboard with a big picture of Joe Stalin, and underneath it says, I'm lovely, I'm engaged, I lux out my mustache and grano. <laughs> They're copying a lot of our products in Russia. They even got a drink called vodka cola. 
You drink a bottle, grab a smudge pot, and do your own skywriting. And Russian advertising has even adopted some of the American slogans. Now they got smoke, unlucky, strike itchkas, and feel your level worst. Chew lifesavers, don't be an unpleasant peasant, and use Stanislavski's girdles. They lift the blockade. And the Russians have a new car in the market, the Stalin V8. Instead of a bumper in front, it's got a mustache. And underneath the hood, there's no motor, just Molotov on a treadmill. <laughs> Even though the Russians can buy all sorts of products, they're still not allowed to be too happy. They got a thing called Kremlin candies. There's something like lifesavers, only there's no flavor, no taste, no sugar. Kremlin candies just sit on your tongue and look stupid. Lately, the Soviet government has been copying our methods of making breakfast cereals, too. Of course, the Russians have everything a little mixed up. They've been putting the cereal in the bowl and shooting the people out of guns. <laughs> They've modernized the political advertising over there, too. The government just started running a new ad. It's a picture of two chairs with a man sitting on one of them and a sign underneath, Which Twin Disagreed with Stalin? <laughs> After two weeks on the road doing another series of personal appearances, the Bob Hope Swan Troop returned home here today. I've been away from home so long that when my little boy opened the door this morning, he said, we don't want any fuller brushes, and slammed the door in my face. <laughs> then I knocked again and told him I was his father, and he slammed the door in my face again. <laughs> but what a trip. Our plane made a perfect four-point landing. It's the last time I put my head out of the window on the way down. <laughs> we visited Texas again on this trip. That's real cow country, you know. I was sure of it when the governor shook hands with me one finger at a time. <laughs> and I sure stayed a lot of hotels on this trip. I now have the only bathroom in Hollywood with towels marked his, hers, and Statler. <laughs> Business was good everywhere, but money is getting a little scarce around the country. I won't say how tight money was, but I got a $5 bill in one town, and both of Lincoln's eyes were bloodshot. <laughs> When we arrived in Providence, the band was playing Columbia, the gem of the ocean, and an NBC man said, Egad, have they bought that too? <laughs> it really was foggy at the airport this morning. When our plane landed, I bent over and kissed the ground. And a gopher looked up at me and said, of course, you know that means we're engaged. <laughs> From St. Johnsbury, Vermont, to San Jose, California, all across the country, swan rappers are pouring in to care. Yes, America has opened its heart to the 30 million little children in Europe who need soap, almost as desperately as they need food. Soap helps prevent disease. Nothing fights germs like cleanliness. And a little thing like soap boosts morale, too. Let's not forget that. And now, soap is actually going to be sent abroad, lots of it, with your help. It's the great Care Swan Soap campaign. The campaign to send white floating swan to kids in Europe through Care, that great nonprofit government approved organization which has already delivered so many packages to the needy in Europe. Here's how the Care Swan campaign works just buy two or more cakes of swan soap, keep the soap for your own use, and mail the wrappers, two or ten or a dozen if you want, to Care, C A R E, Boston 1, Massachusetts or to your local NBC station. For every two wrappers received, Lever Brothers Company will send a regular size cake of swan through care to some little kid over there. 
Delivery is guaranteed. You want to get in on this great plan of swans. Just remember, over in Europe, there are 30 million little kids who need soap. And who knows, maybe if some of that dirt is washed away, there might be a smile showing. So start those swan wrappers coming to care, won't you? All wrappers must be mailed before August 1st, 1949. The address again is CARE, C-A-R-E, Boston 1, Massachusetts, or your local NBC station. Start your swan wrappers coming tomorrow. Here's another tune by those Oscar snatchers, Evans and Livingston. Their latest effort written for the Paramount Pictures, Sorrowful Jones. And who could introduce it better than Doris Day? Stars look down, they seem to say, maybe love's on its way. I'm having a wonderful wish. Time you were here, the town's awake, so am I. In no mood to just sit by, I'm having a wonderful wish. Time you were here, couples on the corner laughing, loving, make me feel so alone. I'd really like to do some loving in a twosome. All my own Why must they keep The moon so bright I won't sleep Awake tonight I'm having a wonderful wish She's been waiting so long Time you were here Couples on the corner Laughing, loving Make me feel so alone I'd really like to do some Loving in a twosome All my own Why must they keep The moon so bright I won't sleep A wink tonight I'm having a wonderful wish Been waiting so long Time you were here, my darling Time you were here hey, Thanks, Doris. You sang that song even better than you did at my party the other night Oh, thanks, Bob is that the first one of my parties you've been to this year? Oh, no, Bob. I've been to all of them. Don't you remember? I bought a season ticket, paid $14 for it. <laughs> oh, yes. That's one of the bleacher seats in my front room, yes. <laughs> but this party was sure different, wasn't it, Doris? You know, I gave it for the crew of the United Airlines plane that took us on our trip. Oh, I know. And it was certainly clever of you to fix your house up so it looked like an airplane. Why, you even had wings in the sides of it and landing wheels painted out in front. Yeah, the wings should have had flaps, but Sidney Greenstreet refused to sit up there in his underwear. <laughs> but the people were sure surprised when they arrived to find my house looking like an airplane. Yes, and when Les Brown's drummer walked in, I noticed for the first time he was only three feet tall. Yeah, I should have told him about that propeller on the front porch. <laughs> well, you know, I had a lot of fun at the party, and I sure liked the plane crew, especially Captain Kasich. Well, what about him? Oh, he had such nice technique. When he met me, he kissed my hand, Bob. Yeah, those pilots are all alike. They start on your hand and try for altitude. LAUGHTER 
Boy, those aviators really went for that food, didn't they? <laughs> yes, what there was of it. Bob, why do you serve such small portions? Were they small? Small. It was bad enough that the steaks were tiny, but when anybody asked for some ketchup, you served it out of a ballpoint pen. <laughs> and what was that platter of stuff you had in the middle of the table? Nobody could figure out what it was. Yeah, I made that myself. I call it chicken surprise. Surprise? <laughs> the part I got looked bewildered. <laughs> Well, the part of the chicken it came from can't see where it's going. <laughs> yeah, but you'll have to admit that gravy was something. Oh, it was something, but it wasn't gravy. <laughs> Thickest stuff I ever saw. Oh, stop exaggerating. The gravy wasn't so thick. Not much. It's the first time I ever saw anybody slice it up and then deal it. <laughs> Well, all I know is people called me the next day and said hello, they never Mr. had a better time. Hello, it's... Mr. Howe. Oh, hello, Miss Ryan. Uh, we were just talking about Bob's party the other night, which reminds me, Miss Ryan, I didn't see you dancing very much. Well, don't you know why? The orchestra made me leave the floor. They said when I danced, I threw them off the beach. <laughs> well, how could you do that? Oh, I don't know, unless it was the swishing noise from my corduroy bloomers. <laughs> They're the latest thing, aren't they? I saw them advertise in Sears Roebuck's harness section. Of course, I shouldn't do very much dancing anyway on account of my weak back. Oh, is your back weak? Oh, I should say so. <laughs> if it wasn't for that extra wide scotch tape and a starch bath every day, my spine would dangle like a petunia. <laughs> Well, have you seen an osteopath? Yes, and he took an x-ray picture of my spine, and when he developed it, he made 5,000 copies. 5,000 copies? Why? He sold them to the automobile club as a new route to Lake Arrowhead. <laughs> but you did have a good time at my party, eh, Miss Ryan? Oh! had such a good time since we put on the candy bazaar at my club. Oh, you mean last month when the girls in your club made candy and sold it? Yeah. Oh. They were candy kisses, and we sold them to the men. When somebody bought a box, they had to kiss the woman who they bought it from. <laughs> How'd you do? Well, Mrs. Schwartz isn't very good looking, but she sold 75 boxes, and I sold 75 too. Of course, Mrs. Schwartz and I got pretty tired of kissing each other. <laughs> Schwartz. Oh, she's the one whose husband has a size three head. Size three? Yes. He's got a job as mechanic for the new Buick. He's the only man they could find with a head small enough to stick in those little portholes. <laughs> oh, I remember him now. His wife uses his head to darn socks on. Tell me, Miss Ryan, how old are the other women in your club? Oh, they're all about the same as me. We're at that in-between age. <laughs> uh, you're at that in-between age? Yes. Our hearts are with Tyrone Power, but our names are on the Saratan mailing list. <laughs> I don't like to be personal, but why didn't you ever get married? Well, at one time, 
I used to correspond with a boyfriend, and the romance was going fine until I got serious. You see, in my last letter to him, I said, I'm going to marry you if it's the last thing I ever do. And what happened to him? I never knew until I saw his picture in the paper the other day. In what paper? Oh, all of them. He's the man who sealed himself in that room for ten years. <laughs> Bye now. Thank you, Miss Ryan. And now here's High Everback to tell you how you can help get Swan Soap over to 30 million little kids in Europe. That's right, Bob. It's the Care Swan Soap campaign. And if everybody in the United States gets behind it, this campaign will get millions of cakes of soap over to those kids who really deserve a break. Well, I know they will, High, because America's made up of folks like the neighbors of heroic little Roberta Lee Mason, who pitched in and built her a new house after that fire out in Des Plaines, Illinois. It's an American tradition to help the other fellow when he's down. And those little kids in Europe are down. They need soap. No wonder the swan wrappers are pouring in. They're coming from the most generous people in the world. Right, Bob. And here's the way the Care Swan Soap campaign works. Just buy lots of swan. Keep the soap for your own use. And send the wrappers to Care, Boston 1, Massachusetts, or to your local NBC station. For every two wrappers received, Lieber Brothers Company will send one regular-sized cake of swan to a needy child in Europe through Care. Hi, I do hope everybody listening gets in on this Care Swan campaign. I just think it's wonderful sending soap to those little children in Europe. Well, Doris, it's so easy to help. Remember, just send Swan wrappers, two or as many as you want, to Care, Boston 1, Massachusetts, or to your local NBC station. And all Swan wrappers must be mailed before August 1st. So how about it? Start those Swan wrappers coming tonight. <laughs> Les Brown and his band opens tonight at the Palladium here in Hollywood. We'll all be there to jump with those musical gypsies, all of us including Billy Farrell, ladies. I let my heart fall into careless hands. Careless hands that broke my heart in two. You held my dreams like worthless grains of sand. Careless hands Don't care when dreams slip through I brought you joy And dear, I loved you so But all that sunshine Didn't make the roses grow If you don't change Someday you'll know the sorrow Of careless hands That can't hold on to love of working with in the forthcoming Paramount Picture, Sorrowful Jones, my favorite redhead, Lucille Ball, right here. 
looking lovely tonight, Lucille. And what a hairdo. Oh, you like it, huh? Yeah. If you get together with a boy with the green hair, you'd make a great traffic signal. <laughs> well, Bob, it is nice seeing you. We haven't seen each other since we made Sorrowful Jones. Yes, Sorrowful Jones, a Paramount picture starring Lucille Ball and Bob Hope. Soon to be seen at your neighborhood theater. Good, clean entertainment for the whole family. Lodges, one dollar. Uh, general admission, 85 cents. And if you miss the picture, we'd be glad to come to your house with a projector. <laughs> Bob Welsh will be there with a the popcorn. <laughs> Barney Dean with the butter. You know I'm a lucky man, Lucille. What do you mean, Bob? Well, in one year, I worked with you in Sorrowful Jones and in The Pale Face with Jane Russell. Yeah, I bet you've got all the romantic leading men in Hollywood worried. You said it. Cary Grant's so worried he's having another dimple drilled in his chin. (laughs) But I loved working with you. You're the first actress that's never made a crack about my nose. Well, your nose never bothered me, Bob. In fact, I appreciated it when I was working at Paramount. What do you mean? It was such an easy place to hang my coat every morning. (laughs) But you've got to admit we had a lot of fun doing the love scenes, Lucille. Oh, I meant to ask you, Bob. In the last scene, uh, where we kissed and I hugged you so tightly... Yes? Did I hurt you, honey? No, you just let the air out of my shoulder pad. Sort of a sympathy laugh. I didn't like that. (laughs) Really, Bob, I I hope we get to make another picture together soon. I love working over at Paramount. Every morning, a little old lady would come into my dressing room, sweep up the plays, empty the ashtrays, dust the furniture. I was so pleased with the service, I gave her a quarter every morning. That Crosby makes a fortune in tips. That little old lady was Crosby? Yes, you just didn't recognize him in his dust cap and house coat. Oh, I think that's terrible. What are you complaining about? Somebody got me a blind date with him once. <laughs> think how I felt rolling that lard around. But enough of the mildew Mel Torme. How's your... Uh... <laughs> I made quite a production out of that, don't you think? <laughs> Say, how's your uh, radio show, My Favorite Husband, coming along? You're on that other network, aren't you? You mean CBS? Please, Lucille. That's like singing the Missouri Waltz in Drew Pearson's house. Please. <laughs> Anyway, it's not CBS anymore. They changed the name to BSC. BSC? Yeah, Benny is still counting. <laughs> well, I'm happy over there, Bob, and my show has a Hooper rating of 12. That means, theoretically, that uh, 12 million people listen to me. Oh, that's nothing. I've got a Hooper in 93. 93? Yeah, that's the age of the old lady in Pasadena that listens to me. <laughs> Tell me, Lucia, what's your show about? Well, it's called My Favorite Husband, and in it, I'm married to a man who never grumbles and who, no matter how bad things get, always has a cheery word. Who's your husband, Gabriel Heater? <laughs> I wish you could see some of those married couples I saw on my last tour. You'd really have some material. What do you mean? Well, for instance, take that couple in Kentucky. Howdy, Ma. Howdy, Ma. 
Howdy, Pa. Home from work? Yep, and I got big news for you, Ma. I got a raise today. You mean you got more money? Nope, it still blew up. <laughs> well, Pa, we're gonna set down to supper soon. You'd better wash up. Wash up again? Land sakes, Pa. When's the last time you did wash? Now, let me see. This is Tuesday. Before that was Monday. Sunday. Next Saturday be ten years. <laughs> Oh, how can you go for ten years without washing? Willpower. <laughs> Here, Ma, have a chaw of tobacco. Thanks, Paul. Ma. Yes, Paul. That's my thumb. My tobacco's in the other hand. <laughs> I've got news for you, Paul. What is it, Ma? There'll soon be the pitter patter of little feet upstairs. Well, I guess it's time to DDT again. <laughs> hey, okay, Ma, get the children in the house and we'll eat. All right, I'll get Lamb, Clam, Rufus, Walter, Albert, Effie, Mae, Janie, Betty, Lou, Charles, Cy, Jack, Fred, George, Nellie, Billy, Clarence, Hiram, Helen, and Jean. And I'll get John, Harvey, Cletus, Zeke, Dan, <laughs> Judy, Joe, Nancy, Carolyn, Bertie, Eleanor, Little Daisy, Sam, Kate, Tom, Abner, and Teddy. Well, that takes care of the twins. Who'll get the single one? <laughs> and another interesting husband and wife I ran across, Lucia, was a Brooklyn cab driver and his bride. <laughs> hey, hi there, Rita. Hello, Allie. Boy, it's good to be home. I'm beat. I had a tough day today. Some tough day, hanging around the polo grounds, kicking the rocher. <laughs> uh, by the way, I got a little surprise for you. I was talking to Mother today. Your mother? Not mother, mother. A mother is a horse. I know. If your old lady hadn't broken her leg, she'd have won as much money as citation. <laughs> should talk. Your family's no bargain either. I beg your pardon. My father happened to be a great lawyer. Well, he had to be. Your mother was a pickpocket. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep quiet. Yeah, yeah. Me, married to a cab driver. Ain't you got no ambition? What'd you want to be when you were a little boy? A little girl. <laughs> a little girl. Yeah, I always wanted a sister. <laughs> now, let me alone. Fine reception I get after I had such a big day out in the street with my cat. A big day. What happened? You run over a cop? No, I got a $10 tip. <gasps> oh, a $10 tip. Oh, well, goodness. I just love them, Biggie Wiggy Alzy Walzy. Rita Weeda's going to kissy wissy, my great big daddy Alekin. <laughs> What happened? <laughs> I already blew the tin. I bought a couple of drinks for the boys at the corner saloon. Oh, of all the nerve. You're always down at the saloon. Why don't you drink at home with me? I'd rather see elephants and snakes like the other fellas. <laughs> that does it, you brute. I'm going home to mother. And if I leave here, our marriage is through, see? You'll never hear my voice again. You'll never eat another one of my meals again. If I leave here, you'll never see my face again. Now, what do you got to say? Taxi lady? (laughs) 
for the memory of the progress being made in the cancer drive to aid. Research for cure that you ensure with every cent that's paid. We thank you so much. And thanks for the memory of doctors whose great role is curbing cancer's toll. Let's underwrite the doctor's fight. Help them reach their goal. We thank you. We thank you so much. I want to thank Lucille Ball very much. Folks, if you were living in one of the battered towns of Europe, and somebody gave you a choice between a gold wristwatch and a cake of soap, you'd reach for the soap. In thousands of homes in Europe tonight, the soap dish is empty, and believe me, it's tough on a mother's heart to see her children with grimy bodies and know that she's fighting a losing battle against dirt and disease. And that's why it's so wonderful you folks mailing all those swan soap wrappers to CARE, Boston 1, Massachusetts. You know, of course, that for every two swan wrappers you send to CARE, Boston 1, Massachusetts, our sponsor is sending one cake of swan free to the kids of Europe. And brother, are you ever sending in the swan wrappers? It's wonderful. The need for soap for Europe's children is great. The more swan wrappers you send in, the more kids will be clean and healthy. Here's a cable from Robert Blake, director of American Aid to France. Meeting soap needs indispensable to restoration of decent health standards. Best wishes and success in campaign. Pierre Schneider, French Minister of Health Cables. All success to radio campaign bringing more health through care to war-damaged countries. Isn't this an easy way to do a wonderful deed, folks? Just mail two swan wrappers to care, Boston 1, Massachusetts. And a sponsor we're mighty proud to work for will put another cake of swan in those empty soap dishes in Europe. Thank you. Good night. And yours truly, Hi Aberback. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's X-1, followed by The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.